Welcome to Fountain Springs Online. At Fountain Springs, we believe in showing unconditional love, irrational generosity, and being unwavering in our mission to show people who Jesus is. We are one church in multiple locations that exists to help grow and guide your relationship with Jesus. We are so glad you've joined us today, and we hope that we can encourage, challenge, and support you in your walk with Jesus. Feel free to join us this coming weekend at any of our locations and services, or call or email us so we can help you in any way. We are so glad that you've joined us today at Fountain Springs Online. Now let's turn our attention to this week's message. Yeah. And it'd be great live. It's one of those songs where it's like, you write it for live use. I Stand on the rooftop, it. screaming your heart out. Like, Angst, angsty teenager in their car. Oh, yeah. It's not a phase. No one understands me. It's who I am. Uh, I would say the weirdest state law in Rhode Island is um, you can't ride your horse backward through the square on a Sunday. And the correct answer is... Whoa, actually, maybe I read that sometime and that was in my head because it's about horses. Did you cheat on this? I don't know. It's, it's illegal to race horses on the highway. Okay. All right. I'm wondering at what point in time was it, did they have highways and horses that were both riding somewhere? Wyoming. Wyoming. Neighbors okay. to the west. Forever west. Now, you would have thought the horse was about Wyoming, probably. Probably. I assume it's, it's illegal to use a firearm to fish. Well. Only if you don't get caught. Well, right? if you, yeah. 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 Arkansas. Arkansas. So the weirdest state law in Arkansas. That's illegal to pronounce it. Arkansas. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> ah. It's illegal to honk a car horn at a sandwich shop after 9 p.m. Soup shops, fair game though. Burger joints, go for it. Pizza, yeah, all day long. Sandwich shops, no bueno. No, no good. Well, we're going to talk about rules and law. Yeah. I mean, I'll, okay, before, before we get into this, because it's going to be riveting and exciting, I want to make sure that we're all understanding what's going on right now. We are a church that, that does have a location and, and, and we gather, but you need to know we're, we're one church with multiple locations, and you need to know it's critical that more people know who Jesus is. I'm going to guess that you assume and want that same thing. So here's what you just need to know if you don't know. I want you to know, like, it's not a secret, but it's information, that this weekend we have a location at a prison where we go in, this message, hi guys, at RCMU, and, and there's on the east side of Rapid and west side, and you just, sometimes we don't realize the fact that it, that there's a church that's all over helping people know who Jesus is and is exciting. And we thought, what more exciting than rules. Let's talk about rules. So I looked up some laws of, of my own. I looked up some, I was like, I wonder, I wonder what, what stupid laws there are. We don't say stupid in our home. I'm sorry, sweetie. But uh, the, I looked up a couple. One, 
in Montana, if you leave your sheep in the back of your truck unattended, that's illegal. And I thought, I guess I, I can't have sheep because I would forget. Like, oh, no. But here's the weirdest one. This is one I wanted to share because I don't understand it. Maybe you do. It's, it's in Pennsylvania. I have family who, who live in and grew up in Pennsylvania. If you're on a country road at night, just imagine with me, you're on a Pennsylvania country road at night. According to law, whether you follow it or not, you have to stop every mile, okay, on the country road. Just stop, get out of your vehicle, shoot off a rocket, and I'm not joking, because we all have rockets in our vehicles. You're like, oh, that's what those are for. You shoot off a rocket, and you have to wait for 10 minutes in case there's any livestock on the road so that they will then get off. Then you get back into your vehicle, drive a mile, do the same thing. So if you're good at math or not, you know that basically we're, we're, we're averaging about four to five miles an, an hour. I would break that law, like, without feeling bad. You probably have laws and rules that you break, and you don't feel bad about it. Some of you follow the speed limit. Most of you do not. You either think it's a, it's a law or a suggestion based on traffic. Some of you treat stoplights like that. You need to stop it, right? Can, can, can we admit, can we have a mature enough conversation that you admit that there are, there are laws that you wrestle with? Rules, maybe not just laws, but rules maybe in your home that you grew up with where you're like, yeah, my parents made me do this, or a curfew maybe? Most teenagers do not say, you know, I just, I just want to thank you for the curfew. I just, I just want you to know I really appreciate it. Some of you did, and I don't get that. I, most of us wrestle with it. In fact, I think, I think the great philosopher Anna Kendrick said something. If you don't know, I'm joking. Anna Kendrick's an actress. I don't know if she knows philosophy, but here's what she said. I love rules and I love following them unless they're real stupid. I think most of us would be like, yes. Okay, here, let me, by a show of hands, because they're in, they're, they're amongst us. Who of you is a rule follower? Like, it's, it brings joy to you. Okay, that's, that's what I thought. I, I'm, hey, I'm not, hey, I married a rule follower. She's, she's always careful to make sure that I'm aware of when I am perceiving law as a suggestion or a rule. And she's always aware of, hey, we're supposed to actually be doing it this and this order. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I got my own way. Many of us are that way. Many of us, when it, when it comes to rules and law, well, we accept some. And others we're like, I'm not cool with. The reason that you and I need to talk about this is because, because the rules that we're choosing are compromising the relationships in our lives. And I know that you may not like rules. I know you may have like, you know what, here's what we, here's what we need to do. We need to ban them all. No, that's not true. In fact, I want us to have common ground. So, common ground. Here's, here's where this common ground of this, of this series is. We don't all agree with all the rules, and we all need like, okay, I'm there. We all, I, we all should be able to say yes, because Christian or not, come on, some of us were raised in Christian homes or non-Christian homes or whatever home you want to call it, and we all had a mixture of different rules, whether it be curfew, but sometimes you weren't allowed to watch rated R movies, you couldn't say bad words, or, or maybe all of that was like free game. <laughs> but we, we don't all agree on all the rules, and, and 
Is that not the current tension in our nation that we are wrestling with rules and who enforces them, who's in charge? And so I know at first glance, I probably didn't do a, a good enough job. I'm just telling you, I know the rule conversation. Like, that sounds like, no, I don't even want to talk about that. Yes, you do. You actually do. And we're only going to spend a couple weeks on this. But you and I need to have a very uh, healthy, healthy conversation about the rules in your life and mine and who's enforcing them and what that all means. So there's a couple rules to rules. I mean, how horrible is that? There's rules to rules. Like, do they, not, do they just not end? No, they don't end. Uh, here's, here's the first of the rules of rules. Everyone believes in rules. See, some of you just disagreed with me already. You're like, nope. Because your solution to the fact that we don't all agree is what? To erase them all. Let's just not have rules. In fact, how about this idea? What if you just live your life your way and I'll live it my way and we'll just like see where we all end up and just play it out that way? So, so some of us think that okay, if we just got rid of all the rules, that would be the best way. No, it's not. Here's what's ironic. If you were to remove the rules, you know what you would begin to do is create a new set of them. I mean, when I was a kid, I, I started a gang. I know you're intimidated. Yeah. We, were, we were a pretty big deal in the neighborhood. We had, we had our own wheels, bikes. They were awesome. Those bikes were not motorized. And we would, we would ride around the neighborhood, and we, we, we kind of like, you know what? And we would talk bad about our parents. I don't know if you ever did that as a kid. You're like, you know what my parents made me do? This, they took this way or that way. And it was, it was, and then we were all anti-rules. And then you know what we did as a group? You know already. We made our own rules of who could be in our group and who couldn't. In fact, even if you walked out all the way to some gangs, like legitimate gangs, not, not my gang, but uh, some, some ones that call themselves gangs, they will almost create a, a sense of anarchy and, and the sense of we're breaking out of the mainstream, we're against this and that, and then they create their own system of rules. Do not find it fascinating that it is human nature to rebel against rules and turn around and be like, and so here's our new set of rules. So that's why I would tell you, uh, everyone actually believes in rules. In fact, you begin to see this regarding speed limits. You may not like speed limits. I personally do not love them. If you're a police officer, I just erase that from your memory. But you know, you can at one moment say, you know what, I hate speed limits. But if your kid is playing at the edge of your driveway and a car zooms by at 75 miles an hour, you immediately go, we should have a speed limit. Where are the, where are the police officers? Do we not, when it gets personal, we all of a sudden amp up the intensity? Like, wait a minute. Well, there should be a rule for that. Everyone believes in rules. Everyone believes in rules, but that, that doesn't mean you like them. In fact, I thought, I thought I would bring you to a place in the Bible. Now, let me give you the context. There was a group of people known as the Hebrews or the Israelites. A movie was actually made out of this epic moment when they were slaves in Egypt for 400 plus years, and they get freed by God. If you want to know, like, how long? About 400 years. So can you, can you imagine, okay, you've lived in slavery your whole life, and your parents did, grandparents did, great-grandparents, like that's all you knew, that's everyone around you, that's all you knew is slavery, and then literally in a day's time, you are marching out of slavery 
You are like, we are free. Is that probably the conversation you're having? Finally, we're free. In fact, that's what they were touting. They were celebrating God. God has freed us from the oppression of slavery. Now imagine you're going and that you're free, you're free, you're free. God, you're God's people and God's about to take you to, to the chosen land. It's going to be awesome. It's promised land. It's amazing. And then God's like, hey, you're free. And I got some rules for you. Can you imagine what a downer that is? We're like, but I thought we were. Gave them rules. You're familiar with the rules. But I want to show you where they are in the Bible. Here's the rules. This will be fun. Reading rules. Huh? Yeah. I'm the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt. Okay, I just told you a little bit about that. The place of your slavery. And now there's a rule. You must not have any other God but me. Commandment, rule, whether you like it or not. There, There you go. There was a lot more, actually. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. That's a, that's a, that's a rule. You must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. It's a commandment. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. I'll talk more about that later. Honor your father and mother. We have this plastered in every room. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely against your neighbor. That's a really eloquent way of, like, don't lie about people. Uh, you must not covet your neighbor's house. Can you imagine a group of people going, we're free. What are these rules? I mean, that's what they thought. You have to, I mean, let's not, like, pretend like the Bible is full of people who are like, oh, life is always wonderful. We love whatever God says to us. No. And in fact, in the story of these Hebrews, these people who were slaves and free, do you know that it even says in the Bible multiple times, in fact, I have lost count how many times, they asked ask for permission. Can we go be slaves again? Who, who asked that? But you see, what they were getting at is the true tension, the tension you and I have. We aren't anti-rule. We're anti-ruler. We don't like being told what to do. And they have been freed by God. Freed by their ruler. But then they find themselves, I mean, with the Ten Commandments, which hopefully you're like, I think the Ten Commandments are pretty good rules. I mean, if you follow just the Ten Commandments, if you're like, okay, all all the rest of my life, the only thing I'm doing, I'm going to kind of follow these ten commandments. Ten rules, you're going to probably do pretty well for yourself. I mean, they're, they're not bad. They're not irrational laws. But they rebelled against them. They didn't have a major problem with the rules. It's like, for those of us who are parents, we're like, I hate curfews. And I had kids. I'm like, curfew, that's a good, that's brilliant. That is a brilliant idea. It's not the rule, typically. It's the ruler. You and I have a disdain in our soul. Because we're born into a very sinful, broken world. That when there's an authority figure in our life, we're like, I don't care what you say. I'm going to rebel against you. If you've ever had an issue with authority, which if you're breathing, you typically have. At some point in your life, you had a a, a boss or a friend that was a type A friend. You know, the friend is like, here's what we're going to do today. You're like, who made you a boss? I don't. But most of us have this moment in our life where there's a person in our life that we rebel against because we don't like 
being told what, we're, what to do all the time. It just it messes with us. And so if you want to have a mature conversation about how to live a fulfilling life, I don't know if you've ever craved a fulfilling life, a satisfying life, a life that actually walks the way it should. You have to admit that everyone actually does believe in rules. It's the ruler part that we don't care about. So that then brings us to the second rule. Rules have to match the ruler. I, most of us are anti-ruler, but, but when you have rules, that matches the ruler. Yeah, yeah, we believe in it, but, but the ruler in your life. Do you remember playing the match game when you were in kindergarten? Anyone? No? I did. Of course, I failed kindergarten. I didn't know it was possible. But I did. I got tutored all summer. That was miserable. I don't know why I'm telling you this. Do you remember the match game where, where there were like these pictures and you had to link them up with the word? Okay, so you've never played. Uh, here, here's the deal. Some people have asked, like, what's it take to be a member of Fountain Springs Church? You've got to pass this test, okay? This is it. I'm joking. If you're wondering, what? We're going to play the match game together. If you came to church even going, what if I don't know what I'm supposed to know? What if, don't worry. This is the only test. You got this. If you get this, welcome to our church. This is a bird. A bird flies. That was more difficult than it should have been. I mean, okay. I'm, I'm worried now. Okay. A fish does swim. Swim. Good. I heard bark. I'm just going to disregard it. I have better faith. And, and this, is, this is a dog. Barks. Good. We didn't put cats on here because they're not real. Uh, I'm just kidding. This is obvious. I think it should be. When we were really young kids, this was fun, and it was a part of our homework, or at least in school, where you, you would match them. In fact, now you're like, I thought I, thought I was in church, and, and there's a reverend preaching, and we're matching animals with what they do. This is weird, but it makes sense. Hold on, just stay with me. Because it may seem obvious to you, but maybe there are other things in life that aren't so obvious to you. But they still require us matching them correctly. In fact, let's flip it. Let's do this incorrectly. What we're about to do is incorrect. I thought that would be a good disclaimer. Okay, so this is incorrect. But let's, let's mismatch these. Let's say, you're like, I want to play golf today. But I'm going to do maybe, maybe some bowling rules. You know? Like, I would love to watch you just tee up a bowling ball, which... I don't even know if that's possible. And then watch you ruin every one of your clubs as you try to hit this bowling ball. Do you know that in bowling, I've been told I've never achieved this, you're, you're trying to get to 300? Okay. If you try that while you're golfing, they will kick you off that course. <laughs> and they will say, here's your money back. Give this sport up. Don't ever let us see you again. Right? Right? That's, I know it might be fun in theory, but you play it out. You're like, that doesn't work. Or, or let's say we actually do go bowling, but we give ourselves some football rules. Let's make that bowling lane 100 yards. At first, you're like, that sounds kind of fun. Yeah, then you score like one, the whole, the whole thing. And, and football, 
That means as you're about to bowl, you're in danger of being tackled. Tackled. Which sounds actually kind of fun. I like this. Never mind. No, okay, so football, you, you apply golf rules. In, in golf, you're trying not to score a lot. And you see that they don't match. I mean, I think it's obvious. Now, maybe you're like, well, that'd be fun for a day, right? It'd be fun for a day. That's just kind of experiment with that. But it's not a sustainable way of life, and we, we admit that. I'm just trying to show that whether you want them or not, that there are some rules that will go against your preference. Someone at some point in your life is going to say, you know what, here's the guardrails. And you might then reply back, well, I don't like your guardrails. That doesn't change the fact that on the other side of those guardrails is a cliff. And many of us have, because of our anti-authority, we've rejected life-giving rules. And in fact, let's continue the matching game but let's apply it directly to our lives in real form. Some of you might be saying, it's my life. In my life, I live by my rules. This is a, what I would call, preference-fueled kind of life. It's whatever you prefer. Whatever you've landed on going, you know, okay, this is my life. I mean, it's mine. It's no one else's. No one, no one controls me. No, no, one, no one speaks. To, this, is, this is my life, and I'm creating my rules. It's what I prefer to do. It's, it's what I think is right, what I feel is right. It's based on opinion and preference, right? We would agree with that. That's, you can't argue that just the way it is. I'm not suggesting one way or the other yet. I'm just telling you this is one way to live life. My life, my rules, whatever I prefer to do is what I do. Or you can do my life, God's rules. Meaning, it's my life, but I like some of the things God says. I like that he says that we should love people. So I pick that one. I like that one. But he talks about some other things of what to do in relationships and, and how to run finances. I don't like that. So I'm not going to follow that because it's my life. Many of us are going, okay, that might be where you're at or a friend's at. I did my life and a little bit of God's rule. Like cherry picking, I think, is what they used to call it. God's life, my rules. In other words, okay, God made me. I believe that. I believe in a creator, the almighty creator. I believe, I believe in him. However, I'm going to follow him my own way. I don't need his Bible. I don't need his church. I'm just, I, I believe in God, so I'm just going just gonna to go after him my own way. Some of you probably have friends, again, in this category. This is how they're living life. And, of course, you know the obvious one that I'll share, God's life, God's rule, where, where you actually believe that God made you, God created you, and your life is in his hands, and so his rules apply to your life. Huh? You're seeing a difference here. It's a preference difference. Think about how... How much of your day and night, mine too, is affected by preference. And then let me make you an observation. If your values are informed by your preference, rather than God, you have a mismatch. If you're trying to take life, live this life, the life you've been gifted, it's a blessing. If you're trying to take it and live it in, in the most fulfilled, the best way possible, but you're living it by preferences, it's a mismatch. You may not agree with me, and that's fine. That's totally okay. But I'll tell you, there will probably be a day that you have chosen to live by preferences and things will begin to collapse. Where perhaps you committed to a person 
And then you decided by preference you went with another person and you broke their heart. Or perhaps you decided by preference you were just going to not treat people kindly. But you see, it'd be, our preferences begin to lead us astray. They just do. How much of your life right now is, just don't answer out loud, governed, ruled by your own preferences? Moses, the guy who led these folks out of slavery, by the way, he, he turned down the job when it was first offered, which helps me kind of connect to him. He's like, I don't know. No, I don't want to do that. So if you, God's ever asked you to do something and you're like, mm-mm, mm-mm, yep, pick them. Whoever's behind me, pick them. That's pretty much how he was. Eventually he gives in. God is convincing. And he decides to lead these folks out of slavery with God's help, God's miracles, God's power. And he finds them continuing to do the same thing. They keep rebelling against the ruler. You probably, if, if you looked at your life, you would probably say the same thing. You've had these moments where you rejected an authority. Well, that's what they've been doing. They, they didn't have a major issue with the rules. It was, it was the ruler. And Moses finally, basically his parting speech to them was like, all right, people, you're throwing your lives away. So let me give you truth. Let me give you guardrails. Let me give you rules. These will be powerful. And he begins to lead them. Here is portion of his speech. And now Israel, listen carefully to these decrees and regulations, these rules that I'm about to teach you. Obey them so that you may live. You see, the rules were meant and designed to help them live, not go, hey, I've got a way to make your life miserable. No, no, it was, here's some rules that will help you live so you may enter and occupy the land the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has given you. Do not add or subtract from these commands I'm giving you. We live in a day and age that adds and subtracts all the time. Based on preference. Just obey the commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving you. If, you, if, if you're not familiar with the Bible, let me, let me sum up what he just said. Don't add man-made rules to God-made rules and call them equal. And many of us are doing that. I've done that before. Have you ever had a pastor tell you something from the Bible or something that God said? And you're like, hmm, I'm going to tweak that a little bit. I've done it, and I'm a pastor. How about that? See, many of us are saying, I like what God says, but I need to tweak it a little bit, add my preferences, and change it. And I'm telling you, that's dangerous. Moses kept talking. Um, Obey them completely. And you will display your wisdom and intelligence among the surrounding nations. When they hear all these decrees, they will exclaim, how wise and prudent are the people of this great nation. How wise and prudent. Don't answer out loud. How many of the people that really know you know you would say that about you and how you live your life? Wise and prudent. Then he kind of gives a, a warning. But watch out. Be careful never to forget what you yourself have seen. Many of us abandon the rules of God. We're like, I don't like this ruler because we forget what he's done. In this case, uh, he's like, oh, you need to go through that water. Uh, pfft, there you go. You can go through it. He literally split a sea. He fed them from the sky. It's crazy. But God has done things in your life too that we have forgotten, and when we forget about them, that gives way for the devil to say, hey, he's not busy in your life, so don't follow his rules. 
I am so forgetful. If you're wondering if I'm not, hate, I'm not hating on you. I have a, I'm not gonna call it a diary. It's it's a it's a book with paper in it that I write in it. Uh, it's a five-year journal. What it is is on each page is about four to five lines for each year. And each day I write what God has done or what I'm asking him to do, what I'm hoping he will do. Because I forget what God has done. He'll do a miracle in my life, and for about a day or two, I'm like, you are the most amazing. You are awesome. By day three, I'm not reflecting on it as much. Probably about two weeks later, I'm like, when did that happen? I'm not sure. I think it happened. And then about a month or two later, I'm, it's not even on my mind. Same thing was happening here. God had done miracles. When you forget what God has done in your life, you will abandon his rules, and his rules are designed to give you a satisfying life. Don't let these memories escape from your mind as long as you live, and be sure to pass them on to your children and your grandchildren. We are no longer doing that. As a society, we are no longer passing these things on anymore. And in fact, uh, this is not my own. This is what very intelligent people have done. They put together the pattern of rules. I'll show you what's happening, and this is important for you to know. Pattern of rules, first generation, they revere the rule. Because you know rules come from problems, right? You have a problem, you're like, here is the rule now to fix that problem. So if you created that, you're like, uh, hold to this, or else something bad will happen. You revere it. You, you lock on to it. But then a generation comes next, and uh, they relax the rule. Because they're not so connected to the original problem. They've heard about it. It's been, like, spoken of. But they haven't felt the tension of the problem. And so they, like, chill out, Mom and Dad. Come on. It's a new era. <laughs> and then the next generation comes. And they rewrite the rule. Because they no longer feel the problem and don't even sense it and don't even think it's legitimate. And this has been happening. In fact, it happens in relationships. You can apply what I just told you to a relationship where at first you revere that person. You're like, you are the most amazing person that has ever walked. I can't believe we met because I met the, the most amazing. You're amazing. Then you relax. They're cool. They're still special. Not as special. You wouldn't tell anybody that. But they're special. And eventually, you're so at odds, you rewrite what you committed to each other. Happens in relationships, happens in parenting, happens in society, and it happens between us and God. It's called revisionism. There's actually a term for it. Revisionism. Let me give you another example. You remember with those fun Ten Commandments I read? Yeah? Um, those, inside of there it was, was honor the Sabbath. I told you I'd return to that. Honor the Sabbath. You're like, what's the Sabbath? It was, it was the holy day, 24 hours, set from Friday night to Saturday night. So, so that was like when they worshipped God. They chilled out. They relaxed. They didn't, they didn't even cook. They had cooked previously and just pulled it from the fridge. They didn't really have fridges. I'm just helping us. Uh, they just had it, and then they would eat it, and they really chilled out. They didn't do work on that day because they're like, this is God's day. This is God's holy day. So we're not going to do a bunch of major stuff on this day. We're not going to go anywhere. We're just going to chill out. Some of us are like, that is so outdated. Huh? In fact, many of us would say, if I were to tell you, hey, 
You should, you should pick a day of the week where, where you, don't, you, don't even, you don't even go to practice. You, you don't go to work. You just worship and chill. Most of you would be like, you're crazy. I'm as crazy as Chick-fil-A. Huh? Most of you have probably heard of Chick-fil-A, by the way. If you're into the, the restaurant business, start one now. We need a Chick-fil-A. If you don't know what a Chick-fil-A is, if you don't know what a Chick-fil-A is, they, are, they make chicken sandwiches. That's, that's it. They make some other things, but come on. It's a fast food joint that makes chicken sandwiches. It's not really, when you think about it, it's not really that big of a deal. Maybe it is, but it's not. Chicken sandwiches. They're fast food joint. If you don't know this, they're, they're closed on Sundays. All over. Even in, let's say, an airport. They close down. You're like, come on. You would think that Chick-fil-A, because they are only open six days out of the week, that they probably aren't doing as well as the other ones, right? They aren't making as much, correct? Huh? Actually, a Chick-fil-A restaurant makes about twice as much money in six days than McDonald's makes in seven. Maybe, maybe they're not outlandish. Maybe they're not outdated. Maybe that rule does something where their employees feel honored, rested. It's called revisionism. That's why you and I even balk at it. The idea of just not being able to live our preferences out. Here's a definition of revisionism. I, I don't want you to miss it. Changing what is true to match what is preferred. Welcome to the United States of America. Actually, I would say welcome to the world. My concern is that some of you do not see a problem with this. Your preferences will lie to you and they will lead you down a road that's just not as good as the road God designed. This is not a new problem if you're wondering, yeah, it's our politicians these days. Well, um, Hitler did it. If you don't know what Hitler did, you know, I, amongst all the horrific things he ever did, do you know that he revised the Bible? I know that doesn't really shock any of us. We're like, yeah, of course he would. You know that he took the Bible and removed, of course, the Jewish references, which is absurd when you think about that. But he also, did you know that he didn't like the Ten Commandments? He thought they were decent but not good enough. He added two to them. And he actually created what's called the Nazi Bible. I don't recommend reading it at all, ever. And most of us don't connect to Hitler and we're like, well, at least I'm not Hitler. <laughs> Do you know Thomas Jefferson revised the Bible? Thomas Jefferson, he uh, is known by some as a deist. Some would say that he loved Jesus. Uh, he had the Bible, but he didn't, it didn't match his preferences. So here's what he did. No joke. You can read about this in history. He got multiple Bibles written in different languages, and, and he pieced it together. What, what specifically he did is he removed most of the supernatural stories because he didn't agree with them. He thought if it's supernatural, that's not explainable, so that doesn't match his preferences and his way of thinking. So let's remove the miracles, and we'll just land on, well, Jesus, he taught a lot of good things. They were very moral. Let's just do that. And he revised the Bible. Here's my question. Here's my question for you and I. Have you been revising God's best way to match your preferred way? And maybe you have been. I'm not there to shame you. I've done it multiple times. 
This series that we're doing, which is only two weeks, this series is designed for us to lean in and to be real honest with our lives. And to start off answering a question. You may not like the rules in life, but you must answer this. Who is your ruler? You may want me to button this up and say, all right, now I'm going to unload a bunch of scripture or, or teaching on this, but here's my plan with the rest of the sermon. I'm just going to ask this, and now you have to wrestle with this. I will address this more in the second week of this series. I try not to offer my opinion a ton. My job, according to God, is to offer you his truth. I would tell you I think God is the best ruler. But me telling you that doesn't tip you over me like, okay, cool. (laughs) So here is what I want you to do with this message. I spent about 30 minutes just we talk rule, rule. What I want you leaning into is who is your ruler? Is it you? Might be. Maybe you actually have to break it down. Well, actually, David, about 75% of the time, it's me. And then maybe, maybe it's your boss. Maybe you've bought the lie that whatever your boss tells you to do, whenever your boss says you have to work here and here and here, you're like, okay. Is your boss your ruler? God does not live to just press us into rules and make us feel like we live in some legalistic system. In fact, let me tell you what the second sermon's about. How God said, we've got too many rules. Let me give you two, (laughs) and I'll talk about that. But I really feel like this moment and this week, it needs you and I wrestling with Who for real is your ruler? And who do you want it to be? So, that's my prayer, is that you resolve that and that you'll be a part of the second week. Let me pray for you. God, I do not ever, um, I do not ever want to be in the business of convincing people tricking people of even changing people God I believe you do that God you are amazing and powerful and loving and caring and God I'll confess to you and I think others will feel the same God I confess to you that there are days in my life where I am the ruler that most of the moments are are fueled by my preferences. And God, I'm sorry. God, I think we're sorry. You are the authority on this planet and beyond. You are the almighty God. You are the ruler. But God, I don't think all of us think that. So Lord, this week, would you you work on us? Would you work on our hearts? Help us to be open to whatever you have to say, whatever you have to teach. God, help us as a church as we pick this up again 
to be prepared to see what it's like to live with you as our ruler. God, teach us this week, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen.